Again, I'd invite you to take your Bibles out and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1 or your devices uh, that you may be using. And we're circling back in our sermon series today, Direction for Life, through the book of Proverbs chapters 1 through 4, back to the very beginning, chapter 1, to conclude with a reminder of what biblical wisdom requires. It requires discipline, discernment, and discretion. Now, we live in a society that's built upon instant gratification. If we can't Google something in a matter of seconds, we become impatient. If we cannot learn about something from a YouTube video in a few minutes, we become irritated. And if Amazon cannot deliver it to our door within two days, then we will not make that purchase. We are so we are, we are so used to quickly having our needs met that we cannot seem to wait for anything. Just this past week, my son and I were sitting at the stoplight on the east side of Highway 53 Expressway in Eau Claire, Wisconsin on Gulf Road on the opposite side of the Oakwood Mall uh, and trying to head west to go over to the mall. And if you do not hit that stoplight correctly and you're trying to cross over and get over to the mall, you can sit there for four to five minutes because traffic's got to go in every different direction before you're finally able to get across. Well, as we were sitting there, frustrated that the light wasn't changing, I mentioned to him that as a society, we have become so used to instant gratification. If our smartphones or our computers don't load fast enough, it starts to get under our skin. And if that happens enough times, you know what we do? We upgrade. We get the newest and the fastest versions or models that are out there. And I told him, compare that to 150 years ago. When people, if they missed the stagecoach that was coming through their community, they had to wait another week for the stagecoach to come around again. Well, the book of Proverbs teaches us about the value of wisdom in our lives, the need for it. But it isn't something that just occurs overnight. It takes time to acquire. But in the long run, Proverbs tells us, it is worth the wait. Can you think of any times in your life of delayed gratification where you had to wait for something? Maybe it was you had to wait to get married or maybe wait until you were married. Or there were times where you had to save up money for something that you really wanted to purchase. Or maybe there was a time you built something and it was very meticulous, and it took you a long time to put it all together. But in the end, it was all worth it. Proverbs chapters 1, verses 2 through 4, teaches us that attaining wisdom is worth all the effort. I would say, especially for people who are used to instant gratification and having so much information at our fingertips at just the push, of a few buttons. We can feel like we're know-it-alls. We can feel like we're so empowered in fields of study that we really have no training in whatsoever. As if knowledge, wisdom, and understanding could all come to us in just a matter of minutes. Proverbs says wisdom actually flies in the face of all of that because it takes time. It takes effort. And it takes life experiences and a few bumps along the way to acquire wisdom. The book of Proverbs teaches us 
that wisdom is hard won. Now, we also live in a time and place in which education and knowledge have replaced wisdom and understanding. In fact, there are no lack of people in our society with college degrees of various sorts. In the first decade alone of this century, nearly 30 million people gained college degrees. That's almost 10% of our nation's population in just the first 10 years of this century we're living in. That's close to 8 million who, ga who gained associate degrees. There's nearly 16 million who received bachelor's degrees. And just short of 6 million people got master's degrees and a little over 930,000 received doctorate degrees. And more people than ever have college degrees. And I'm sure that plenty of them have high IQs and they have a lot of knowledge. But here's a question for you. <coughs> Excuse me. How many of them would you say are really wise? Or how many of them would fit under the classification of what some of our ancestors used to say regarding people with a lot of education? Sometimes our ancestors would say, well, there's an educated fool for you. There's an educated fool. The kind of people, they would say, who make a lot of money but live in perpetual debt. The ones who surround themselves with all kinds of stuff and the latest and the greatest of everything but never seem to be content. The ones who perpetually pursue life's pleasures but never seem to discover true satisfaction. The kinds of people with every gadget in the book that enables them to communicate and participate in all kinds of social networks, but their relationships are shallow and their personal lives are in turmoil. The kind of people who seem to be able to offer their children anything and everything that money could buy, anything they could ever want in life, except what their children truly need. We also live in a time where information now flows into our world in incredible volumes. And though knowledge is important and an important component of understanding, knowledge in and of itself does not result in understanding. There is a lot of knowledge in this world, but I would say there is not a lot of understanding. Wisdom needs to be injected back into our culture. And to many in our nation, having become unwise, too many have, in far too many ways. If you just turn on the evening news on any given day, you will, in a very short period of time, get a snootful of people who are exercising all kinds of foolish behavior. And here's the tragedy of it. Many of them could be classified as well-educated people or what are referred to as the woke people in our society. Well, the book of Proverbs trains the mind to think and evaluate life in a moral context. And this is why many people will read a few Proverbs every single day. Or in their families, they'll read a proverb or two at the evening uh, dinner table. Or they will read a proverb or two as part of their family devotions. Some will even read a chapter a day of Proverbs through the month and then start over again the next month. I've done that many times in my life as a Christian. Read a proverb, a chapter of Proverbs uh, every single day. Proverbs direct us to what is right. They direct us to what is just, to what is fair, and to what is good in life. Proverbs teaches us to be wise so that we can live honestly, we can live courageously, 
and skillfully as God intends for us to live. Verses 1 and the beginning of verse 2. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction. To become wise is to become a disciplined person. Surrounding uh, the word hokmah here, which is wisdom, in these early verses in Proverbs are similar terms that help shed light for us on what wisdom actually is. And here, this gaining wisdom that it says, it's the Hebrew word muhar. It means that we can pick up, we can gain this wisdom and understanding. And this means training with strong accountability. It refers to being under an instructor who will get up close and get personal in our lives. It's kind of in our society, in your face if need be. And it's sort of the concept of a coach who will uh, point out your mistakes. You did this wrong. You did that wrong. You need to do this better. Here's how you do it the right way. And they will encourage you and they will affirm you, but they will also hold you accountable as well to do a better job in the future. That's what this is. This is a training with this strong accountability in our lives. And to many people, this kind of instruction is actually a pretty painful experience because a lot of people in our world have very thin skin. They can't accept that kind of constructive criticism in life. But Proverbs 27 verse 5 says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. And think of all the times that God has had each one of us learn from mistakes that we've made in life. Think of all the times that God had had us learn through times of suffering and hardship and pain in our lives. I would dare say those are probably the most uh, uh, in-depth times of learning that you've ever had in your life. We talked about Proverbs 3, verse 11, just a couple of weeks ago. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. Marcel Proust in his book, In Search of Lost Time, says, wisdom can be discovered only after a journey through the wilderness, which no one can make for us and which no one can spare us. We go on this journey. It's in the wilderness. And nobody else gets to take our journey. Nobody else can step in our place. The only one's ever stepped in our place in life is Jesus, who died on the cross for us. But nobody else gets to do this journey of life for us. We have to go it alone. And along the way, God will let us learn from our mistakes. God will discipline us along the way. He will allow us to learn through times of suffering. Now, three and a half years ago, uh, my wife and I purchased a John Deere uh, hydrostatic uh, compact tractor, though it's a, on the upper end size of compact tractors, and primarily to use it for snow plowing in the winter. At my age, it was getting a little more difficult to do it with just a, a four-wheeler and a snowblower, so we got a snow plow and decided we would do that. Plus, I could use it for uh, doing food plots and brush hogging on our property, and, and then our son and his wife were building a house that year, so it would come in handy to have the tractor there for building the house. Now, when they were in the process of purchasing the, purchasing the tractor, one of the options for the tractor was to put these spacers, two and a half, three inch spacers on the back tires, which uh, you know would move things out. But as I thought about it, certainly it was an extra expense on the tractor, but then the tires come outside of the fenders, you know, so they can throw mud around. I thought, I don't know if I want that. And then the other issue is, you know, tractors, when the front end is narrower than back end, creates it a little more tippy. And I thought, well, you know, and some of our trails are a little bit narrower. 
I'm not sure if I want the tires sticking out wider. Well, three years into this process and not using the John Deere commercial chains, uh, one of my chains came loose on the inside, caught the linkage on the rocker arm, which is the arm on your right-hand side of the console that raises up the three-point hitch, tore the rocker arm right through the console, snapped the fender, destroyed all the linkage underneath, and guess what happened? We spent thousands of dollars to repair the tractor, and I have spacers on my tractor now. And, and I instructed the dealership that, you know, if people are buying these and they're going to put chains on them, tell them that the space is very little. You know, there's very, very little bit of clearance between the linkage and the, and the tires that are there. And I even contacted John Deere itself to pass that information on. See, this kind of expensive correction, a person never forgets in their lifetime. To become wise is to become a disciplined person. It's not to become an impulsive person, but instead someone who dwells in self-examination, someone who dwells in circumspection and thinks things through clearly. And such a person is a resilient individual who through life's hard knocks has become poised and resourceful. Wisdom is hard won. It's like the successful athlete who has endured rigorous training to gain the victory. So can you see in your life how God has used difficulties in your life to make you wiser? Have, has there been some of those points of disciplined instruction, of correction that God has used along the way in your life to sharpen you? See, undisciplined people, by and large, live miserable lives because they never seem to learn anything, especially when they go through the school of hard knocks they just don't quite pick anything up. Well, let's move on here today in our discussion from discipline to discernment. Again, verse 2, but we'll be focusing on the second half of verse 2. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight. Now, this phrase here for words of insight is the Hebrew word bina, and it's another aspect of wisdom. And it's referred to as insight here, or sometimes called discernment. The old timers used to call this a sanctified common sense, or sometimes it would be referred to as horse sense. You know, horses are not going to cross something that they can't see what's underneath. They're not going to jump. They're not going to wade into something because they have horse sense. Why would I go intentionally somewhere and hurt myself? But people, human beings, on the other hand, they sometimes jump right in. They charge right in with no thought whatsoever of consequences. As the saying goes, common sense in our day and age is not so common anymore, or at least not as common as it used to be. Well, discernment is the ability to notice distinctions and notice differences where others might only see a blurry picture. It's the capacity to see the trees from the forest. And biblical wisdom brings discernment to the skill of daily living, to know how to manage one's time, to know how to manage one's money and resources, to build up relational capital, to uh, know what is an appropriate work pace or uh, how to develop good communication skills or, or what would be a valuable workload. To be wise is to see the options and then to be able to make the best available choice out there. And by the way, discernment doesn't put people in a box 
But what it does is it understands the difference between good, better, and best. And it also recognizes that God's love in us allows us to be sensitive to others around us. The Apostle Paul, he's writing from imprisonment at the end of his life, near the end of his life. And the church at Philippi had sent this generous love gift to help him out and to express their care and love for him. And here's what he prays for them in Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge, which is a good thing, that's a good thing, and depth of insight, of discernment. And the Old Testament, that would be muhar, that you would increase that way. Now, my wife and I have had numerous conversations over the past five months during this COVID-19 pandemic regarding how mean people have been to each other within our culture. Clearly, there's a lot of displaced anger. And even Christian people have been doing this. And frankly, some of it, or maybe a lot of it, I should say, is being done online. People are frustrated. They're angry. They're upset. They're losing their livelihoods, their, their well-being. There are people that are depressed. And it seems that the little things in life, that's all it takes, is just to set them off. And they're venting on others, including pastors. And even some of our pastors have been caught in the crossfire. And it doesn't matter to seem whatever we do, somebody somewhere is upset with that decision or that choice. People are mad that we're not enforcing the wearing of masks right now. And we have other people that are suggesting, you know, that are upset us with us because we're even suggesting that people should be wearing masks. Others are upset that we're listening to our government. Still others are upset that we're not listening to our governing authorities. Some are mad at us because the church isn't closed down. Others are mad that the church isn't fully open. And there are people who are ticked off that we've started doing funerals. Others are frustrated that we haven't been doing funerals all along. Some people are upset that we've changed the times of our services. Others are really upset that we're having services at all. Some are mad that not everybody at church is practicing all of the social distancing and completely going touchless. Others are mad that we're not hugging, shaking hands, and fellowshipping together. Others are upset that we, they can't wander all over the building wherever they want. Some are upset that we have the building open at all. Some are mad that we do not have all of our full children's programming. Others are ticked off that we're having it at all. And I could go on and on and on how people have vented their frustrations and their concerns. And frankly, uh, I think at times their anger. But God's love for us in his wisdom, heals our self-absorbed egos. And that's what a lot of that is. It's our self-absorbed egos. And it allows us to both notice and to be sensitive to people around us. See, our world is divided right now between those who think that every single thing in life is cut and dried, everything is black and white, and those who think it isn't, that there's some gray there in life. And in Christian circles, on one side are the Christians who are buying into the legalism ditch, you know? And then on the other side, there are those who are buying into the cultural adaptation ditch. And neither of these is a wise approach to any of our cultural strains that we're going through. 
What we need is to stay on the path of discernment. What Proverbs refers to as insight. And that, of course, takes some time to cultivate and develop. The one characteristic of all wise people is they never reach the place in their lives where that they believe that they have learned everything that there is to learn. They just keep on pursuing wisdom. Proverbs 21 verse 2 says, Every person's way is right in their own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. Have you talked to anybody in the last five months that doesn't have an opinion on the COVID-19 pandemic? Have you talked to anybody in the last five months that doesn't think that they've got the right perspective or that they're being objective about what's going on? And they even go online and they find all kinds of people that agree with exactly what they're saying. Everyone, you know, everyone's way, every person's way is right in their own eyes. But God's the one who weighs the heart. Wisdom is, folks, very hard won. But believe me when I say it, it is worth the effort. Well, let's talk for a few moments today also about discretion. Verses 3 and 4. For receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. For giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Verse 3 talks about prudent behavior. Verse 4 talks about giving prudence to those who are simple. These terms mean that we both plan and live a good, wise life. And such a wise person will be a righteous person. They'll be a just person. They'll be a fair person. And they will do all that they can to help others around them live the same kind of life. They will give prudence to the simple. And this term here, helping impart discernment to the simple, means people that are naive. And, and the ones who simply don't know something. And it's an original root form of this word. Someone who's simple means that they have an open door. Basically, that their mind is still open to learn. They're not a closed book. They're somebody who still can learn some things. So we can pass on insight to them. We can pass on wisdom to them. And it takes discretion to do that. Now, a few weeks ago, Orlando Magic professional basketball player, Jonathan Isaac, stood during the playing of the national anthem before a game. Everybody had their Black Lives Matter shirts on, and he happens to be a Christian, and he also happens to be a pastor. And of course, guess what happened after that game was done and they have the press conference? Who, which player do they want to interview? Which player do they want to put on the hot seat in the press conference? It was none other than Jonathan Isaac. And what did he do? He remarkably presented the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian. And I believe that all people are made in the image of God, so all lives are valuable to God. He showed at that moment incredible discretion to humbly share the good news of Jesus, the gospel, with no hint whatsoever in his voice or his actions or anything of militancy or any polemicizing, you know, I'm going to stand up for Christianity, you know, I'm going to defend the faith, and I'm going to... None of that. He was just loving and gracious. What Paul had prayed about them, uh, abounding in love more and more and in knowledge and in depth of insight. That's exactly what he did at that moment. And it literally humbled all of these antagonists that were ready to rip him to shreds. And he simply just said, I believe in Jesus. I'm a Christian. 
You know, and I believe everybody matters to God. All lives matter to God. Incredible. Folks, there are plenty of moral people in this world who are not wise. Just like there are visionary, godly people who can see where we need to go, but they can't come up with a single practical step to help us get there. Wise people have discretion. They can anticipate problems without ever becoming overconfident or falling into the other trap of being overconscious, uh, over uh, um, cautious. You know, they're either overconfident or overconfident, and people with discretion don't fall into either one of those camps. They can anticipate problems without falling into those traps. And it's having the discretion to know what to do and when to do it. You know, Proverbs 22, verse 3 says, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. The prudent recognize, uh-oh, I'm going to back away from this one. You know, that's, that's not going to work, but the simple keep charging in. How many times have you seen someone doing something like, uh-oh, that's going to be, a, that's disaster in the making, or you say, uh-oh, that's going to hurt, or that's going to leave a mark, sort of, all right, you know, if it's predictable, as Pastor Pete used to say, it's preventable, okay? If you can predict what's going to happen, you can predent, pre prevent what's going to happen. But with the simple, a lot of times, yep, you can see what's going to happen. So let me ask you right now, why are people leaving states like New York, California, and Washington by the droves? Why are they leaving and pulling their businesses out of these places? Because they can see the handwriting on the wall. These places are too dangerous to live in, and the taxation is becoming too high. One of those states now wants to tax you for 10 years after you leave the state. You don't even live there anymore, and they still want to keep taxing you. I mean, and, and it's not, they are not places that are family-friendly. They're not places that are, are business-friendly. They're not places that are even faith-friendly, and they're being prudent. They're showing discretion. Now, in this sense, discretion is a kind of foresight. It can look ahead and see what kinds of behaviors will result uh, out of what's going on. You know, in my non-Christian days, working for a local farmer here in this area, who happened to be a very good farmer, I always thought that he was the very best farmer in the entire region. Well, a friend of mine worked there as well with me, and we showed up one Saturday morning for work, and we were pretty hungover, because we'd partied hard the night before and late into the night. And keep in mind, I was pretty good at that stage of my life in covering up my condition because I worked hard no matter what. In fact, our head football coach at the time boasted to a senior class, Phi Ed class, that he could tell when every single one of his football players had been drinking over the weekend by how they practiced on Monday. And I was a junior at the time, and he said, except for that Nelson kid. That's the only one I can't tell if he's been drinking or not. Well, this farmer, he obviously picked something up. Maybe it was the odor that was coming off of us. Uh, but we were supposed to be cleaning barns that day after we did our morning chores with the animals. And he decided to have a change of plans. He decided it was time for us to put up a little fence with metal fence posts and metal fence post drivers, okay, with the weight on the top and no hearing protection. Okay, show up hungover, show up with a headache, and spend the day doing kwong, kwong, like that all day long. My head felt like it was ready 
to explode. This farmer, I think, could see down the road the trajectory that we were heading on. So he decided to give the simple that day a little prudence, give a little knowledge and discretion to the young. And to this day, this farmer is one of the men that I've always respected the most in my life. Is discretion part of your life? Knowing what kind of behavior will lead to what kind of results? See, the prudent see danger, and they take cover, and they help other people do the same. It isn't just about self-preservation. It's not about just for me and my family. It's looking around you and those around you. Who can you help find refuge as well? That's wise people. We're living in some very trying times. Times right now that cry out for wisdom. Uh, people all around us are sensing a need for direction for life. And I want to tell you today that attaining wisdom is worth all the effort. It's something that's very hard won. But we need in our lives discipline. We need discernment. And we need discretion. And I'm asking you today, are all of these things a part of your life? I hope so. Let's pray. God, our Father, we thank you this morning again for uh, these number of months that we've been able to look at these first four chapters of the book of Proverbs. And even, God, today, to go back in a summary form and to look at what we've learned and to be reminded of the importance of discipline. Not that we like it. God, there's many times in our lives where we chafe under it. But God, those are the times we've also learned the most and learned a lot. God, there's also an incredible need in our lives for discernment. Maybe now more than ever in this crazy mixed up culture and society that we find ourselves living in. And God, the need for discretion is so important where we can actually look down the road and see what's coming if we stay on this path. And Lord, that we might actually be positioned strategically to help others and their journey of life, because nobody can do that journey for them, but to be able to give that wise, you know, uh, prudent advice to somebody that needs it at that right moment that could be a turning point for them. God, we thank you for the Jonathan Isaacs of the world and others that are leading the way and showing us that there's a better way than just hostility. There's a better way than just frustration and anger and, and angst and all these kinds of things that there's a way of love that can abound more and more and it can be transmitted to other people and the good news of Jesus can be proclaimed at the very same time. Oh God, I pray for your people that we can be the kind of people like that that you've invited us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name.